Good morning. Good morning. We want to welcome everyone to our services this morning and uh, to our Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we have a lo lot of things going on this weekend, but uh, we're thankful that you all can be here with us this morning to worship the Lord. Um, we don't have many announcements uh, this week. Um, we do have. We did have the. Uh, I want to say thank you to those that were able to be at the business meeting on Thursday. It was. Uh, it was a, a small group, and it was a quick meeting. So, it was, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> um, I just had uh, one. Uh, one other announcement that I'd like to make is the. Uh, the walk for life that will be on uh, uh, this coming uh, Saturday. Uh, in uh, Rockland, and uh, so um, uh, Jane has been uh, gathering um, supporters for that, and uh, I, I believe Kathy will be walking for her, if I'm not mistaken. So be in prayer for that, and for the uh, and for the um, and for the and be in prayer for the unborn. Any other announcements that need to be made? Yes. Excellent. 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 Any other announcements this morning? Mm. It's good to be in the Lord's house. Well, let's open with a word of prayer. And dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house today and thank you for the beautiful sunshine and the beauty of your creation we thank you for our salvation through your son Jesus Christ that died on the cross for us that we might have eternal life we pray that you would help us each and every day as we as we go about doing the things that we do and we pray that you would help us to be uh, reminded of our status as Christians. We pray that you would help us to uh, share that with others around us, that you would help us to be a good witness for you. We pray that you would watch over our service this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through Ian as he brings the message. We pray that you would help us all to listen to your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our responsive reading this morning will be found on the back of your bulletin, Psalm 104, and we will read that responsively. And if you would like to stand, we will uh, have our responsive reading, and then we will go right into our first song. Let's stand. These all look to you. To give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hands, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. Amen. And turn with me to number 24 in your green book.
And now would the men come forward for the morning offering, please. Let us pray. Lord, again, we thank you for your goodness and your graciousness and your faithfulness to us. We realize that all that we have comes from you, and we are giving back just a portion of that to you. We pray that you would take it and use that offering that has been given this morning to further your kingdom, and we pray that it would be given uh, in faith and, uh, and not grudgingly. And again, we thank you for this offering. We pray that you would bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning will be found in Romans chapter 3 be starting in verse 19. Romans 3, starting with verse 19, reading through verse 28. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word today. And now if you would turn with me to number 201 in your green book, Christ Our Hope. Let's stand again and sing number 300, uh, 201. Oh, 
to number 705 in your blue book it is well with my soul and i pray that we can all say that this morning let's sing verses one three and four of number 705 sing it out
Is it well with your soul? We're going to take some time now to go to the Lord together in prayer. Let's go to the Lord together. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning so thankful for this church family, and I, I'm thankful to you for gathering us together as a flock. We praise you and we thank you for being our good shepherd that when we were far from you, you came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you, Father, that you are a good shepherd, seeking out your sheep, rescuing them from all the places where they've been scattered in the storm. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are bringing us out from the peoples and gathering us from the countries with an assurance that you are bringing us into your own land. We ask even this morning that as we come to you, many of us come mourning, grieving, injured, guilty, ashamed, broken. And we ask, Lord, that even among us this morning, you, our good shepherd, would seek and save the lost, that you'd bring back the strayed, that you'd bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. As we come to you this morning, we, we confess and we acknowledge that in our hearts and in our minds and in our actions this week, we've sinned and done wrong. Both consciously and unconsciously, we've acted wickedly, turning aside from your commandments and your rules. We confess our holy God that we have rebelled against you and that we have not obeyed your voice by following the way that you have set before us in your word. And we ask that you would have mercy upon us according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, that you would blot out our transgressions, wash us thoroughly from our iniquity, and cleanse us from our sin. Let's take a moment now to bring our faults and our sins before the Lord and to confess them to him. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. From Matthew 11, the words of Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We praise and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the rest that you have given our souls, all of us who have come to trust in you by faith. We thank you for the peace, for the calm assurance that you give us that, that our sins, not in part but in whole, are nailed to the cross and we bear them no more. And so we can say in the strong name of Jesus, it is well, it is well with my soul. And we, we know, Lord, and we walk forward with the sure confidence um, that though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. If you are for us, who can be against us? And so we rejoice and we, re we rest this morning in that, in that faith.
ask your blessing, Lord, over our, <clears throat> our Memorial Day celebrations tomorrow, and we pray that you'd give safety to all those who are traveling. Um, we pray, Lord, that you'd give us uh, joy in our hearts and true thankfulness to you for the blessings of, um, of country and of family, for the blessings given to us by, by those many who have sacrificed and died. We ask, Lord, that you'd make our hearts truly grateful and thankful to you for, for the many blessings that you give to us. I ask, Lord, your blessing over us the rest of this service that, um, that you'd be doing work on our souls. That as we look to Jesus, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that we would know who he is and what he has done, not just in our brains, but in our hearts. And that we would trust him with our whole, whole selves. That you'd fill us with the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that even as you fill us, you would equip us to overflow with the love of God in Jesus Christ. And make us bold to speak the name of Jesus to any who would hear. We pray all these things in his Precious name, amen. Our final, <clears throat> our final song before the uh, message will be found in, uh, in your blue book, number 324. Let's stand and sing the first and last verse of When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Let's stand. First and last verse. When I survey the As we go to the Word this morning, you can turn with me in your Bibles to Romans, book of Romans chapter 3. As has been the case the last number of weeks, we'll look at a number of different passages of Scripture this morning, but Romans, and particularly in Romans 3, is going to be kind of where we're camping out. Uh, we're continuing in our study through the, the statement of faith, the confession of faith that uh, the deacons and I uh, have worked through and which we'd like to adopt as our church's statement of faith. Um, you'll find the section we're working through in your bulletin. It should be in the bulletin insert. Um, the title is Of Justification. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. And uh, I, uh, I, did, I had some feedback this past week. Someone sent me a note just with a couple of, couple of questions and thoughts about one section that we talked about. And I'd encourage you to do that. If you have questions or thoughts about anything we're looking at in the Statement of Faith, particularly if you're a member of the church, and this is going to be something you want to sign on to and give your thumbs up to, if you have any concerns, you say, I don't know, even if it's just like, I'm not sure this is the best wording, we want to hear that. That's part of why we're working through this in such a careful way on Sunday mornings. So um, I encourage you to send any questions or clarifications uh, to, uh, to me or the deacons. Okay, so the section we're looking at this morning is of 
justification, of justification. And uh, I worry that when I say the word justification, your eyes may glaze over a little bit. Uh, that you maybe sort of settle in for your, your sermon nap. And you might be tempted to think that justification is, is, is maybe too big a theological word, maybe too hard to understand, probably irrelevant as a theological concept. But I want us to see this morning that justification, though it's a long word, is not irrelevant. For sinners like us in a weary world, I want us to see that justification, as we explore what that word means, is like a glass of cool water in the desert. For guilty people under the condemnation of sin, experiencing justification is like coming out of the driving snow to warm your hands over a crackling fire. To really understand justification and to believe it is to know the deepest possible rest and the greatest possible relief. The first line of the confession, which you've got in your bulletin, entitled of justification, the first line goes like this. It says, we believe that the great gospel blessing which Christ secures for those who believe in him is justification. The great central blessing which Christ has won for us by his work, which we talked about last week, is justification. It's a great gift, and that's the gift that I want us to unwrap this morning, and I want us to unwrap it with all the excitement of a child on Christmas morning. So I want to begin this morning by rereading verses which we've already read this morning in, in Romans 3, because I really want us to get these, these verses in our minds and in our hearts Romans 3, beginning in verse 21, this is going to set the stage for us as we talk about justification and what that means. Okay, Romans 3 and beginning in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as people who are sinners living in a fallen world, desperate to be saved and made new, desperate to be reconciled to you, desperate to have what is broken fixed and what is wrong made right, we are hungry this morning and thirsty to know what justification is. We are hungry and thirsty to know the righteousness that you have given us in Jesus. And so we ask that you'd open our minds and our hearts now to, to see these wonderful things in your word. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to answer three questions about justification this morning as we look at this section of the statement of faith. Three questions. What is justification? We still haven't defined it. 
How are we justified? And then what assurance should justification give us? What is it? How do we get it? And what assurance should that give to us? So first, what is it? To be justified is to be made righteous. That's what the word means. To be justified is to be made righteous. So in Romans 3, we were just reading, in Romans 3 and verse 23, we, we read, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. What he's saying is, we who are sinners are justified, are made righteous, made to be righteous when we were unrighteous by grace as a gift. Okay, So to be justified is to be reckoned righteous, to be made righteous, to be given a righteousness not our own through Jesus. Okay? Fundamentally, that's what it means. It's actually in this passage, as you read, anytime you read the word just or justified, it's actually the same Greek word that's translated righteous or righteousness. It's a slightly different form, but it's the same root, okay? To be, um, even in verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be righteous and the one who makes righteous. Just and justifier. It's all the same word. To be justified is to be made righteous in God's sight. And we need this. We've talked about this the last few weeks, right? But we need some righteousness, not our own, because the fact is, we're not righteous. Right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are stained by sin. We are guilty. Both of active rebellion and of passive indifference towards God. We are unrighteous. And it's this unrighteousness that's at the root even of our alienation from God. Right? It's our unrighteousness that condemns us to death. It's our unrighteousness that got kicked us out of Eden and out of the presence of God. The reason that paradise is lost is unrighteousness. It's our sin. It's our sin that keeps us chained in darkness and alienation and death. And the one thing we need most... The one thing which could make things right again, the only way for paradise to be found again, is somehow for us to be restored to a state of righteousness. For our sins to be cleansed and for a new identity to be given to us, not as sinners, but as ones who have been made righteous. Not as condemned, but as justified. And again, that's exactly what's promised in these verses. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, made righteous by his grace as a gift. So what exactly does that entail? How exactly does Jesus make us righteous? Well, the, the confession breaks this idea of justification into three parts. Okay, We believe that justification includes the pardon of sin, the gift of Christ's righteousness, and the promise of eternal life. So there's three key words there. Pardon, gift, and promise. So let's think about that. First, we believe that justification includes the pardon of sin. Okay. This is the basic Christian gospel, right? Sin removed, sin cleansed. This is 1 Corinthians 15, which we read last week. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, right? This is the Apostle Peter in Acts 2 at Pentecost. What does he tell the people? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, right? Now, the first part of, of justification is the removal of sin, the cleansing of our guilt, this is Isaiah 53, again, which we've looked at quite recently. In verse 4, the prophet Isaiah says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. So this is the first part of what, what's going on in the cross. What Jesus accomplishes for us, all of us who have faith in him, is that in his death, he bears our sin, he bears our death, so that we can actually, the, the weight of sin and death can actually be removed from us. We can be cleansed of that. That's the idea of pardon, okay? The sin and the penalty is removed. So, pause there. Do you believe that? If you're a Christian, do you believe that? That in Christ, you have been perfectly pardoned of your guilt and sin. It's easy to doubt it. It's easy to remember our sins, to hear the voice of the accuser, and to allow the voice of condemnation to ring loud in our ears. The temptation for some of us, even who've been hearing the gospel for decades, to allow that voice to get loud again. Maybe you're here this morning and guilt and shame haunt you. Maybe when you came to Christ and confessed your sins, you imagined that he took them somewhere and squirreled them away some in the back of some closet in an upstairs bedroom, right? And that most of the days, most, most days, sure, he's forgotten it, right? But that some days, maybe, maybe when you've been a particularly bad boy or when he's in a particularly bad mood, he'll drag them out, right? Maybe you're haunted by the idea that they're not really totally gone, not really totally dealt with. That is not how God forgives. That is not how God pardons. The pardon offered in Christ is complete and it is final. If your sins were crucified with Christ, God regards them no more. David, in Psalm 103, searches for words to try and describe just how far it is our sins have been removed from us. And what does he say, right? He looks as far as he can look in one direction towards the sunrise and as far as he can in the other direction towards the sunset. And he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Right? An infinite distance. Racking his brain to imagine the furthest possible distance, David looks towards the sunrise and towards the sunset and tells us that's how far. That's how far they're gone. Forgiven, forgotten, Christ has borne them and God regards them no more. As far as the east is from the west. But if it can be imagined, it's even better than that. It's even better than that. We believe that justification includes the pardon of sin and the gift of Christ's righteousness. The language of Romans 3 isn't just that our unrighteousness has been removed, but that in its place a new righteousness has been given. Not just that the, the slate has been washed clean, but that righteousness is now written across it in bold letters. Not just that the cup has been cleaned, but that it's been Filled with new and living water. Right. Romans 3, 23, again. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, not just cleansed, but made to be righteous. Given righteousness. Made righteous by his gift. If you are a Christian, you are reckoned as righteous before God. You're still a sinner. You will be until you go home to be with the Lord or he comes again. But legally, judicially, in the eyes of God, you have been made righteous, reckoned righteous. When God considers your status before him, he does not consider your sin. That has been done away with. It's already been paid for. Instead, he sees in you the very righteousness of Christ. This is the incredible gift of the gospel. Not, that, not just that we've received a pardon, but that we've received a gift. Verse 
the gift of Christ's righteousness. And this, if we can get our arms around this idea, is an incredible relief. Maybe you're here this morning and you're under a sense of guilt and shame, and it's crushing you. And maybe while you're able to hide it for, for, to some degree from those around you, in some sense, your deepest fear is the piercing, all-seeing eye of God. Because from him, no secrets are hid. And how could he, knowing all that you are, knowing all that I am, all that we've done, still welcome us into his presence? That place of doubt and of shame is a cold wasteland. It's a cold place to be, shivering in the cold of guilt and shame, afraid to be seen and to be known and to be condemned. But the promise of justification is an invitation. It's an invitation to follow the flickering light of a warm fire we can see through the window of a house and to open the door and to follow that light into the presence of God where in the mercies of Christ though we will be seen fully for all that we are we can be fully pardoned for all that we should not be and not just that Though we will be revealed in the light of God's presence as being naked, having no righteousness of our own to clothe ourselves in, there in the presence of Christ, we will be not only, not only will the rags be removed, but we can be clothed in the very righteousness of Christ, given the royal righteous robes of our Redeemer. Shame, gone, guilt, crucified, Christ's righteousness now as surely ours as it ever has been his. And no one can take it from you. He's clothed us in our righteousness, in his righteousness. Many Christians struggle under the impression that at conversion, Christ cleanses us from sin, but that from that point on, it's our responsibility to clothe ourselves in righteousness. Like Jesus has gotten us in the door, but we've got to earn our way to the table. Or even that we may be clothed in Christ's righteousness now, but that kind of with one wrong move, or maybe after a lifetime of wrong moves, we might get kicked out. We might have the robe taken away from us, kicked back out in the snow again. As if Jesus gives us his righteousness on temporary loan dependent on good behavior. That's not the gospel. That's not justification. Justification is once and for all. If you are clothed in Christ's righteousness, that's it. It's not about your good behavior. It never has been. This is Romans 8, 31. Paul says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's justification. 
That's security in the presence of God. That royal robe of righteousness can never be removed. And what a relief that is. If you are in Christ, there is nothing anyone can do to drag your sins back up from the pit God has thrown them into. And there is nothing anyone can do to take Christ's righteousness away from you. You are clothed eternally in Christ's invincible, perfect righteousness. Amen? That's what the confession means when it says, we believe that justification includes the pardon of sin and the gift of Christ's righteousness. Pardon and gift. Cleansing and clothing. But it doesn't stop there. Pardon of sin, gift of Christ's righteousness, and the promise. The promise of eternal life. But what does justification have to do with eternal life? What what does righteousness have to do with eternal life? Everything. Everything. Romans 5.18 says this. Romans 5.18. Therefore, as one trespass, one sin, led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness, speaking here of Christ's work, leads to justification and life for all men. Notice how closely Paul ties those two together, right? He says, justification and life. Being made righteous and given eternal life. These things are tied, closely tied. Just think about it. What we deserve for sin is death and hell. The wages of sin is death. What does Christ deserve for his perfect righteousness? Eternal life. If we belong to him, If his righteousness is now ours, then his life too is now ours. So you see that that it's actually in justifying us, it's in making us righteous that Jesus gives us eternal life. His righteousness is our life. It's his righteousness that clothes us that enables us to face death in the face and say, I am not afraid. I have been redeemed from sin and death and I am clothed in the righteous robes of the one whose name is life. Death can't touch me. Satan has no claim on me. Hell has nothing to hold against me. I am righteous. Not on my own righteousness. In Christ, and on that basis, God has granted me eternal life. Amen? Okay. The first question we asked this morning, what is justification? Well, we believe that justification includes the pardon of sin, the gift of Christ's righteousness, and the promise of eternal life. Second question, how then are we justified? How do I get a hold of this? if I want this righteousness. Well, the confession puts it this way. The second we believe. We believe that justification is bestowed not in consideration of any works of righteousness which we have done, but solely through faith in the Redeemer's blood. That through our faith, His perfect righteousness is freely imputed to us of God. So the confession makes two things clear here. First, that we are not justified in any way by anything we can do. Okay, We don't get justified by doing righteousness. It's actually impossible. We can't. But secondly, it makes very clear that we are justified only through faith. You absolutely can't do it by works. The only way is faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what Scripture clearly teaches in a number of places. Romans 3, verse 28 tells us this. 
we hold that one is justified, made righteous by faith apart from the works of the law. And also in Galatians 2, in verse 16, the Apostle Paul teaches us this. He says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Jesus and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. We cannot earn justification. We cannot work our way into righteousness. True righteousness can only be ours in that it is bestowed on us as a gift. We can't clothe ourselves. All we can do is walk through the door into the light and the warmth of God's presence and allow ourselves to be clothed. We we are not the hosts at the great feast of justification. There is nothing we can do to prepare the meal. There is nothing we can bring. No, no, nothing you can do to help. Just sit down. God is the host, and Christ's righteousness is the food, and the only thing we must do in order to receive it is to be hungry and to eat. All we can bring is our need of him. The bed has been made, rest has been offered, the pillow has been fluffed, and all we have to do is simply to collapse in to the rest of Christ's righteousness. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's not possible. All we can do is trust. All we can do is come to him. This, this truth that the only way we can be justified is through faith and apart from any works is at the same time very difficult to receive and incredibly freeing to believe. It's very difficult to receive and incredibly freeing to believe. It's incredibly difficult to receive because we are legalists at heart, because we want desperately to justify ourselves. We want to make ourselves out to be righteous, um, we're really good at convincing ourselves that we're good people. We try to be real good at convincing the people around us, around us that we're good people. In fact, we do our best, despite how irrational it seems, to convince God that we're good people, even though we can see right through everything. We're very good at convincing ourselves that we're righteous. Justification through faith alone is hard to receive because if we accept the Bible's teaching on this question, we're going to have to let go of our ego. We're going to have to let go of pride. We're going to have to let go of self-justification. We're going to have to accept that all our supposed righteousness is as filthy rags before a holy God. It's very hard for self-justifiers to accept justification through faith. But when we do, we'll find that justification through faith alone is incredibly freeing. Because self-justification may look appealing, but it's actually a prison. Because we're not righteous. And at the deepest level, we all know it. That we're messed up. That we're sinners. And in any moment of real spiritual clarity, we will realize that trying to justify ourselves by our own works is like trying to wash filthy, hat, filthy hands with just a thimble full of dirty water. Washing our hands in a mud puddle. We realize that trying to justify ourselves by our works is like trying to keep ourselves warm in the cold with a tattered sheet in the driving snow. It's not enough. It will never be enough. Self-justification kills us. It will kill us if we don't give it up. And true freedom starts when we realize that we're hopeless. That we can't do enough. And that Christ is enough. And that his righteousness can be ours.
that in him we can actually be fully baptized, bathed, cleansed, and warmly clothed in his righteousness. Freed forever from the desperation of works righteousness and the cold condemnation of sin simply by faith in him. Simply by sitting down at the table. Simply by putting our head on the pillow and falling asleep. So, are you willing to go all in? Are you willing to surrender to your own inability? Are you willing simply to trust that he is enough? He's promised. He's got the fire going. He's got the table set. There's a candle in the window, and he has promised in no uncertain terms in John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. This is the promise of Christ. Promise of Christ. So, go to him. Go to him. Come in out of the cold and be clothed in Christ. What is justification? It's to be made righteous by Christ. Sins pardoned, righteousness given, eternal life pardoned. How can we be justified? Well, there's nothing we can do to earn it. We've, we're made righteous simply by faith in him, simply by coming to him in our need. By faith alone. Finally, what assurance should justification give us? The final clause, the final sentence of this section of the confession says this, that justification brings us into a state of most blessed peace and favor with God and secures every other blessing needful for time and eternity. This blessed peace is what Paul describes in Romans 5 and verse 1 when he tells us this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since we have been made righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. That is the fruit of our justification. Peace. Once we were enemies of God, at odds, set against him, and under his wrath. Right? We made ourselves his enemy by our sin. Adam and Eve once walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day, but in their sin they were cast out of the garden, out of the presence of God. Paradise lost. That's their story, and it's our story. And we live in the wasteland outside of Eden cast out of the presence of the only one who is life, who is light, the only one in whom our hearts can rest. Our hearts are restless, said St. Augustine, until they rest in thee, in God. What we long for most deeply is one thing which we cannot obtain with our own, on our own, and that's peace with God. Shalom. So what can bring us into a state of peace with God? What can reconcile us to God? Only justification in Christ. Only being clothed in his righteousness. Only his robes can warm our frigid souls. Only his righteousness is suited to clothe us for the presence of God. In Christ, the veil is torn and we're ushered back into Eden. Paradise is again opened up to us and God is made available to us. The hard ceiling of heaven opens up and God comes to dwell with us again. And if we know him, if we are his, if we have been justified, then this peace with God is ours and is secure for us through all eternity. We who know him have been brought into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In this life, we still sin, we're still learning, 
We still labor under the effects of the fall in this world. Our bodies will break. We will die. But through it all, we have peace with God. It is well with my soul. And one day, the peace of God, which has flooded our hearts, will flood this whole world. And the kingdom of God will come with full force, and the trump will resound, and the Lord will descend, and the vision of the seer in Revelation 21 will come to pass. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's what justification gives to us. Everything. I want to close with these words which will be familiar to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the song of a man who's at peace with God, who despite his sin knows he has been forgiven and reconciled, and who trusts deeply that the Lord will watch over him and care for him even unto eternity. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, what a gift you have given us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that in his death and in his resurrection, simply by faith, we can be justified. We come with empty hands. We come well aware of our need. And we come to you knowing that you are generous and that you are kind and that in your love you have poured yourself out for us and for our justification. And we who know you rejoice this morning that our sins are gone, they are cleansed, and that we come before you, Father, clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. This is our hope. This is our confidence, not only in this life through the trials we face, but unto eternity. We long for the day when we will see you, and we long to dwell in the halls of your house forevermore. Continue to encourage us in the faith day by day, Father. Keep us pressing into Jesus. Keep us grounded and rejoicing in our justification in Christ's wonderful gift of righteousness. And we ask that you'd watch over us from this day forward and forevermore. In Christ's precious name, amen. Let's stand together and sing. Praise God from whom